I'm Lone Candle. There are at least dozens, probably hundreds, of proposed and discussed systems for determining who wins a single winner election. Unfortunately, the most commonly used system appears to be one of the worst. First past the post slash plurality is the kind of voting we're used to. Each voter chooses one candidate, and the winner is the candidate with the most votes. In some first-past-the-post elections, if no one candidate achieved a majority, there is a second election between the top two candidates called a runoff. Can we do better? What are some of the alternative election systems? 4R, Ranked Choice, Star, Approval, and Range. These all have advantages and disadvantages, but ultimately, more elections around the world should try them out and share all data so we can better learn how they work. With the available evidence, which one looks best? First, what are ranked choice, star, approval, and range? Ranked choice refers to a handful of election systems that involve similar elements. The most common form practiced is, instead of voting for one candidate in a race, each voter ranks candidates in order from most preferred to least preferred. Once all ballots are counted, if a candidate has a majority of first-ranked votes, meaning they are ranked number one, on a majority of ballots, then that candidate has won the election. If there is no majority, then we determine whichever candidate has the least amount of first-ranked votes. That candidate is eliminated. Ballots having this candidate as first move on to their second choice, and these second choices are added to the tabulation with everyone else's first choices. If a candidate then has a majority, that candidate has won. If not, then the candidate with the least number of current votes is eliminated, and ballots who had that candidate as their current highest choice move on to their next rank. This process is repeated until a candidate has a majority of votes. Star voting stands for score, then automatic runoff. Each voter can give each candidate 0 to 5 points, kind of like they are rating or reviewing a product. Not giving a candidate any score counts as 0 points. The calculation of a winner is done in two rounds. In the first, all the points of each candidate are added up. The candidates with the top two scores go into the second round. In the second round, each candidate is given one or zero points from each voter depending on how the voters scored the candidates. If a voter gave one of the two candidates more points than the other, then the point goes to the candidate given more points by that voter. If the voter rated the two candidates the same, then they both get zero points from that voter. In this fashion, the votes are calculated and added. The candidate with the most points wins the election. A simple way to think of the second round is like a runoff 
where the finalist preferred by more voters wins. Approval voting works by simply checking a box next to candidates like first-past-the-post voting, except voters can choose as many candidates as they want. Instead of choosing one candidate and being done, voters may choose more than one. So, rather than just voting for their most preferred candidate, voters vote for all candidates they approve of. Range voting also called the score voting, is like star voting without the runoff. Each voter gives a score to each candidate. The total or average of every candidate is calculated, and the highest scoring candidate wins. Although it's generally good to look for the best way of doing things, First Past the Post has some particular problems that incentivize this search. First Past the Post causes vote splitting and spoiler effects. Vote splitting involves voters having to choose between two or more similar candidates while a very different and disliked candidate is also in the race. If some voters choose one similar candidate and others choose another, it makes them both more likely to lose to another very different candidate who these voters may detest. It can result in an overall disliked candidate being elected, or enforcing one of the similar candidates out of the race so that the other similar candidate can take in most of those votes. This also incentivizes all those who like the similar candidates to vote for whomever is expected to win, and therefore not vote their conscience. This is called strategic or tactical voting, and is opposed to honest voting, where one just votes for the candidate they most want to win. When there is only one winner, and when you can only vote for one candidate, the incentive is for two candidates and two parties. Forming a third party will simply help elect the more disliked candidate by splitting votes between the two more similar parties. If there is no runoff, a candidate can win in first-past-the-post with a minority of the vote. Finally, first-past-the-post forces every voter to go all-in on one candidate, and there is no option to give some points or election value to second- and third favorites. Ranked choice may be an improvement over first-past-the-post in a number of ways. Reduced vote splitting incentives and therefore reduced spoiler effects. A reduction in polarization and increase in moderation. It allows more detailed expression of preference and may improve assessments and attitudes toward democracy. If ranked choice works the way it is hoped, then vote splitting is less of an issue because a voter can rank their favorite candidate first and not worry about this electing a hated candidate because if their favorite doesn't make it to the final round, their vote will go to their next favorite, and therefore the split votes will be combined in the end and a strong candidate will defeat a less popular candidate. This means one can vote for a weaker candidate without worrying about spoiling the election. There is some evidence that ranked choice increases moderation and limits polarization. However, there is also evidence for an increase in oppositional expenditures. 
There may be some democratic value in allowing voters to not simply choose one candidate, but rank them. We are getting and using more information about the feelings and preferences of voters by taking into account their ordering of candidates and not just their top preference. There is some evidence that ranked choice improves assessments and attitudes towards democracy. There's also some evidence that it increases support for third-party candidates. Unfortunately, there are problems with ranked choice. In ranked choice, there are several ways that votes may not count at all or not count in later rounds. If all of a voter's preferences are eliminated before the last round, then the voter's vote has no candidate to transfer to and the voter contributes nothing in deciding who wins from that point forward. This is an exhausted ballot. It can happen when a voter chooses not to rank all candidates, or if the election limits the number of candidates a voter can rank. Exhausted ballots mean that when ranked choice reaches a majority, it is really a majority of the non-exhausted ballots, not of all voters. A winner can have, and has had, fewer than half the votes of all voters. On average, in competitive ranked choice elections, more than 10% of ballots are exhausted. However, by other counts, and including all ranked choice elections, 95% of ballots count in the final round. Nevertheless, the subcategory of competitive elections are the most important because those are the elections where the outcome is in doubt and where the process is most likely to make a difference. If 1 in 10 ballots, or frankly even 1 in 20, don't get a say in the final round because of how the voting procedure works, that's a serious downside for ranked choice. In ranked choice, if someone gives two candidates the same rank, their vote is disqualified because the intention of the voter is unclear. This removes that voter's say from the election. Equal rankings, skipped rankings, and double rankings can cause ballots to be thrown out. Based on a ranked choice San Francisco election, such disqualifications are more likely by older, black, Latino, foreign-born, and poorer voters. So, Unless voters can be educated to not make mistakes, the disqualifying of people's votes biases elections against these categories. Because ranked choice is vulnerable to such mistakes, ranked choice biases elections against these categories unless mistakes can be corrected by outreach. In Minneapolis, almost 10% of ranked choice ballots were disqualified, and most of those were from low-income communities of color. In star voting, both equal and skipped scores are allowed, so there are less ways to disqualify a ballot. Disqualified ballots are more likely in ranked choice than first past the post. Only 71% of ranked choice voters rank more than one choice, meaning 29% rank only one candidate. If this is because these voters truly only prefer one candidate and all others are equal, then this is not a huge problem. If this is because the voter didn't understand how to rank choice vote, or because the voter didn't feel informed enough to actually rank the candidates, then this is a limitation of ranked choice voting, a limitation that advantages the votes of the well-informed and more perceptive voters. Obviously, if a voter only ranks one choice, once that choice is eliminated, 
that voter has no more say in the election. In both ranked choice and star voting, voters can bullet vote. In star, this would be giving one candidate five points and the rest zero. In ranked choice, it would be only ranking one's number one candidate. In ranked choice, an average of 29 to 32 percent of voters do this, but this number varies a lot from election to election. Polarized voters are the most likely to do this. This appears to happen less in star voting. Also, in star, this is less likely to be a missed vote. In star, by rule and directions given the voter, a lack of scoring counts as zero points, so this may have been intentional. A bullet vote in star is more likely to be how a voter feels because a voter is more likely to see all other candidates in a zero-point category than to truly view all others as totally equal with no ability to rank or order them. We might think that ranked choice reaches a majority, but this majority is only found by a contrived method that eliminates candidates until only two remain. Some candidates who get few first votes and therefore are eliminated early may actually have a lot of support and are regularly ranked higher than remaining candidates. Rather than eliminating candidates because they don't get a lot of first-ranked votes, and therefore eliminating some candidates who are actually ranked high by a lot of people, star voting takes into account all the scores without such an emphasis on whoever was ranked highest. Furthermore, the majority reached does not include exhausted and disqualified ballots, which ranked choice has a particular problem with. So, the majority it reaches is not the majority of all votes, but a majority of the remaining votes, the majority of non-disqualified and non-exhausted votes. Only 61% of competitive ranked choice elections find a true majority. Also, ranked choice can result in the loss of a candidate who beats all other candidates head-to-head -head by an about 2-to-1 margin, and is a favorite of far more voters than anyone else. Other weird results can happen. It can even result in certain voters getting a more preferred election result by not showing up to cast their honest vote. This is called the no-show paradox. The system of eliminating, one by one, the candidates that don't have the highest current top votes can create weird outcomes. It's a kooky and not straightforward system. In ranked choice, much of the rankings given by voters are ignored. This data could have been used to determine a more preferred winner, but it's not. STAR uses all the data. While ranked choice only counts one's first ranked candidate, effectively counting support for only one candidate at a time, STAR counts a voter's level of support for all candidates at once. It leverages this information to distinguish not just a ranking, but an intensity of support allowing STAR to differentiate between candidates based on their total level of support. The ranked choice method of eliminating a candidate is weird. A candidate could have a ton of second and third favorite ranks, but be eliminated before a candidate with mostly fourth and fifth placed ranks, simply because this less liked candidate has more first ranked votes. Whether this is from a small base of fervent supporters, or because the more liked candidate is liked by others who also favor a similar candidate, who got many of those first choice votes, 
There isn't anything inherently fair or democratic about this. If two candidates split first-choice votes, but the one that gets less first-choice voters is actually much more popular with second-choice votes, then that first-choice vote loser may be eliminated before the overall less popular candidate. If that first-choice winner is then eliminated in a later round, then all those voters who ranked this earlier eliminated candidate second got no say in keeping that candidate in the election. It is as if they didn't rank that candidate second in the first place because the popular candidate was eliminated before the second-choice votes were considered. Why not just gather all candidates' total level of support, like Star does? Ranked choice ends up being kind of kooky. Sometimes your vote counts in a round, sometimes it doesn't. Some candidates benefit from a lot of second-choice support, others do not. Does it really make sense for people's preferences to be taken into account for some rounds and not others? Should the luck of the elimination system determine how many second, third, and fourth ranked votes get to count toward keeping a candidate in the election? I don't think so. And when you have a system that works in kooky ways, you're more likely to get results that don't seem right. There are two major ways to judge which candidate was the best overall, and we can use these ideas to judge the outcome of an election. One is the best head-to-head -head winner called the Condorcet winner. This is the winner who, if ran 1v1 against every other candidate, would win each of these head-to-head -head races. Such a winner can be determined by polling or by using the ranks or scores in a ranked or score-based election. Not all elections have an all-around head-to-head winner. It certainly makes sense that if a person wins 1v1 against all other candidates, then that person should win the election. An election that doesn't select this person as the winner needs to justify its outcome and method in some other way to overcome this deficit. Another way is by utility. We can ask voters how much they would like each candidate to be elected, and then add up or average these scores. It may be that the candidate who gets the most votes in a first-past-the-post election is very disliked by a lot of people, while one who gets less is moderately liked by many who didn't vote for him. Arguably, this second person is a better choice than who got the most votes. We can determine utility by polling, or the score given in a score-based election. Ranked choice will prevent vote splitting in the scenario where an unpopular candidate has a lot of crossover with a leading candidate. This allows those few people who like the unpopular candidate to rank him first and then rank the leading candidate next. However, if this third candidate has a lot of support, then vote splitting incentives remain. If the candidate who is preferred to any other one candidate shares support with a competitive candidate, and enough voters decide to rank the similar candidate first rather than the head-to-head -head preferred candidate, then this preferred candidate will get eliminated before the final round. This means the ranked choice vote would result in the overall most favored candidate 
not making it to the final round, and could also cause the voters who like two of the three candidates to lose when the third candidate is able to beat the candidate who actually made it to the final round, rather than the most preferred candidate who would have beaten either candidate head-to-head. With Star, the level of support for each candidate is taken into account without a candidate needing to survive such a contrived elimination process. To prevent bad outcomes, the voters who like the two similar candidates should all rank the more popular candidate first so that the less popular one doesn't beat the more popular in the first round just for him to lose to their most disliked candidate in the final round. So, ranked choice does not eliminate strategic voting. People still should not vote honestly if they want to achieve the outcome they most desire. To restate that, in ranked choice, once voters realize that the generally most preferred candidate can lose if they vote their true preference, they have an incentive to vote strategically to make sure that a more disliked candidate can't win. If a voter's second most preferred candidate has a better chance of beating their most disliked candidate in the final round, then a voter will want to make sure their second most favorite survives and is not eliminated, and therefore has the incentive to not vote their honest preference, but instead put their second favorite first to prevent the more disliked candidate from winning. Unless you are sure that your favorite candidate will win in the last round, or if your favorite candidate will for sure be eliminated before a second favorite candidate, then you have the incentive to vote strategically. This is a lot like a first-past-the-post primary. Another problem, ranked choice may incentivize a center squeeze effect, where how people rank candidates ends up favoring more extreme candidates. The Burlington, Vermont 2009 election was a form of ranked choice voting, and it resulted in the loss of both the candidate who can beat all others head-to-head and the plurality winner. This is a real-world example of ranked choice resulting in a winner that seems to not be the best democratic choice. It is also an example of why, in ranked choice, voters should vote strategically to achieve their desired outcomes. The three competitive candidates in the race were Progressive Bob Kiss, Republican Kurt Wright, and Democrat Andy Montrol. Wright won an initial plurality. Montrol was the head-to-head winner. However, Kiss and Wright had the most votes before the final round, which Kiss won over Wright. Although this outcome does show that ranked choice both produced a bad result, and incentivizes strategic voting to get the best choice, it's not clear that any of the other systems would have produced a different result. It's hard to say for sure because voters may have voted differently in different systems, and it depends on how strategically the voters voted. In Star and Range, if people voted honestly, the head-to-head winner, Montrell, would have likely won because many progressive and Republican voters would have given him a middling score, while Democratic voters would have rated him high. However, if Republicans and progressives voted strategically by minimizing their scores for Montrell, then the ranked-choice result could have happened. The same dynamic may play out for approval. 
In first past the post, either Montrell or Kiss would likely win after one of them won a Democratic primary. So Burlington could be an example of where other systems would do better than ranked choice, but we can't know that for sure. At the very least, it shows problems with ranked choice. Unfortunately, ranked choice has the characteristic that ranking a candidate higher can cause them to lose. A theoretical model concluded that a lower bound of 15% of ranked choice competitive elections could have this feature. This incentivizes strategic voting. With range voting, it never benefits your favorite candidate to give more points to a less favored candidate than to your favorite candidate. However, it still can be a benefit to lower the number of points to secondary favorites to increase the chance of your number one's victory. Ties and near ties can be difficult for democracy. When an election is very close, it's more reasonable to nitpick every piece of the election system's processes. Think of the Florida Bush v. Gore case in 2000. The Supreme Court had to controversially decide whether another recount could take place, and much discussion and examination was had over hanging chads. In ranked choice, there's a possibility for a tie or near tie in every round of elimination. This means more controversy and more doubt about the election and democracy itself. In ranked choice, all ballots have to be centrally tabulated in order to calculate who is eliminated in each round. So, central offices can't just take vote tallies from the localities who receive the votes, but need to have the ballots themselves to calculate the ranked choice process. For larger scale elections, this means that chain of custody is lost and local audits and recounts are no longer possible. And if local offices have to send corrections, the central tabulations of potentially multiple rounds have to be done all over again. It also may be harder to determine the winner early when absentee ballots could affect who wins out in earlier rounds, affecting the later and more decisive rounds. Additionally, the local rankings don't tell us much about voter opinions compared to star tallies, which actually tell us how many points each candidate got from each locality. In star, each locality can sum the scores for each candidate and produce a preference matrix that counts the number of ballots that prefer each candidate to each of the other candidates. The central offices just add up the precinct sums and the precinct preference matrices. The ability to tabulate locally also means audits can happen locally. With ranked choice, voters are required to rank candidates in order. Voters tend to have low information and often won't have much to go on for these rankings. Surveys make clear that even in presidential elections, information about the two major candidates is low. If voters have low knowledge about only two candidates in the most prominent election, how can they rank many candidates in all elections? The ACLU of Kansas has argued that ranked choice voting has decreased turnouts by up to 8% in non-presidential elections. The added complexity facilitates some people not voting. However, the evidence on this issue is light and mixed. While complexity appears to discourage some people from voting, the ability to rank candidates, rather than just choose one, encourages other people to vote. Compared to first-past-the-post, a ranked-choice ballot is more complex. This not only could affect voter turnout, 
it could cause confusion and increase the number of disqualified ballots. Not every voter will take the time to understand a new voting system, and mentally slow voters may have trouble understanding it even with time. It will always be more straightforward to just choose one candidate than to rank candidates in order. In most ranked choice elections, the votes have not been made public, so we can't determine the extent that the data used from the ballots chose what is arguably the wrong or correct candidate. This also weakens the case that an advantage of ranked choice is that it is proven in real-world elections. You don't have proof when we can't examine the data. One of the few real-world examples where the full vote sets are publicly available are the Debian elections. Of the five publicly released Debian ranked choice elections that occurred from 2001 to 2005, one had a tie in a round. Another was one vote away from a tie. Their 2003 election, with over 450 voters, had two near ties, examples of voting for one's favorite hurting that candidate's chances, and no-show paradox examples. In the Peru election of 2006, Garcia won even though polling showed Flores preferred head-to-head -head over him and Humala. Ireland 1990 had problems with no-show paradox and voting for a preferred candidate hurting that candidate. Louisiana governor elections weren't any better. Ranked choice elections in Australia also suffer likewise. The Maine Heritage Policy Center looked at 96 U.S. ranked choice elections where more than one round of tabulation occurred. 10.92% of ballots were exhausted or disqualified by the final round. A 2014 study of four municipal ranked choice elections found that ballot exhaustion ranged from 9.6 to 27.1%. The evidence so far shows ballot mistakes lowering over time as people become accustomed to the procedure, but the rates of disqualified ballots are still higher than plurality elections. Due to ballot exhaustion and disqualification, in multiple real-world elections, Candidates have won without a majority of casted votes. Based on the 96 studied races, the winner did not achieve a majority 61% of the time. Star suffers from less drawbacks than ranked choice. Ballots don't exhaust because every candidate's score is counted at once, and each candidate receives a score from every ballot. A no score counts at zero points. In ranked choice, bullet voting makes ranking impossible. In star, bullet voting simply means other candidates receive zero points. There are less ways for a ballot to be disqualified by a mistake. There is less kooky round elimination tabulation, and the majority is not a contrived majority of non-exhausted and non-disqualified ballots. Star uses all the voter information to determine the winner, not just whichever candidate happens to be top on each ballot in a current round. There are less incentives for vote splitting and therefore less incentives for dishonest voting. There are less opportunities for controversial ties and near ties, easier logistics, and local results can be audited and have real meaning. Scoring a candidate higher won't harm that candidate. STAR offers flexibility for voters. You are not forced to rank candidates. You can rate two candidates equally. You can just vote for one candidate and walk away. You can express a level of difference between candidates. However, STAR has its drawbacks.
Star is more complicated than straight first-past-the-post voting, so it could confuse voters. It will need to be emphasized that each voter is essentially giving points, so not scoring a candidate is the same as scoring them zero. If this isn't emphasized, it may be assumed that a no score is equivalent to giving the candidate the average or having one's vote not considered in the averaging of that candidate's score. To be clear, the scores are added, not averaged, but this false assumption may be made. Voters need to be reminded that in the second round, their preference order will determine who their vote goes towards, so it's important to distinguish between candidates when possible. Education may have its limits. Some people will never take the time to understand the implications of a new voting method. Others may have trouble understanding it due to mental limitations. A real cost of STAR compared to First Past the Post is the complexity and that some people will make mistakes or not understand what they're doing. Another downside is that when it comes to the final two candidates, STAR voting can result in a vote being ineffective because the voter rated the candidates equally. Both First Past the Post and Ranked Choice don't have this problem with qualified votes. Now, if a voter truly feels that the two candidates are equal and has no preference between them, then this is no problem. However, while scoring, there may be multiple factors that go into giving a candidate a score, and a voter may decide to give two candidates the same score even if he or she actually has a preference. If forced to choose between the two candidates, a voter may vote for one over another even if the voter gave them the same number of points. I feel like there's some fundamental good in a voter getting to choose specifically between the top two candidates, and I think a real downside to Star is people not getting a clear choice between the two finalists. People should get to make a clear choice, answering, One of these two people will win. Which do you want? If you have even a slight preference, express it. Star doesn't allow for that, because by the time we know who the finalists are, the voting is done. That said, this isn't a deal-breaking problem that overwhelms the advantages of Star, and I'm willing to live with it. Once people are used to Star, they will know that to give any candidates the same number of points will be to not choose between them if they are the finalists. And, it's not like a vote is simply discarded in this runoff round. The voter expressed in a 0-5 score that he or she favors the two candidates about the same. So this is not comparable to the inactive ballots that ranked choice produces. Another potential issue with STAR is that different voters may interpret a number of points differently. Is three points neutral and no opinion? Or some lower score? Is five points your favorite candidate? Or are five points reserved for truly beloved candidates? What each number of points means may differ by voter. And if voters who prefer certain types of candidates tend to view stars differently, this could bias the election. With just choosing one candidate or ranking the candidates, we don't have this problem. However, the meaning of stars should even out over time as the process, results, and people's star voting behavior are discussed. The ballot could even give directions at least to the meaning of 0, 3, and 5. 5 could be reserved for your favorite candidates, 3 could be neutral, and 0 is your least favorite candidates.
It's possible that the dynamics of the election could create a situation whereby rating a backup choice highly, even if lower than one's highest choice, could hurt one's primary choice and stop one's favorite from entering the final round. The relatively high score for the backup choice, combined with other voters giving the candidate some points, could give the backup enough points so that the primary choice doesn't make it to the runoff. Such dynamics could influence voters into voting strategically rather than honestly. Voters may give points only to their top candidate and ignore the other candidates, essentially treating the ballot like a first-past-the-post system. This would also mean that if their top person didn't make it, they would not get a say between the finalists. However, because voting in such a matter risks not having a say in the final round, voters are incentivized to vote honestly and score candidates according to their preferences. Voters can't know the outcome, and risking a hated or much less preferred candidate beating one's backup choice doesn't seem worth it. Additionally, most voters desire to express their true feelings. In First Past the Post, it is so obvious that a third-party candidate won't win that to express your true preference is foolish, and voting strategically feels less like a sneaky strategy than the only real way to participate in the election. Thus, the opportunity Starr gives to vote a real preference for each candidate, and the lack of clarity on how rating a backup high will affect the final outcome of the election, could lead most voters to vote their conscience. The Oregon Independent Party used Starr for presidential and secretary of state elections. In these, 45% and 49% of voters scored more than one candidate, meaning most voters just gave all their points to one candidate like they would in a first-past-the-post election. In the Secretary of State race, there were three Democrats, two Independents, and one Republican. So there should have been the incentives for people to give points to their later choices. In this race, the three Democrats had the highest score combined, but none of them made the runoff. In the second round, between the Republican and an Independent, the Republican won, which is 36% of the vote, while 30% of people did not express a preference. This means they either didn't score these two candidates, or they scored them the same. Most of these voters preferred one of the Democrats. It seems like the Democrats would have preferred the Independent over a Republican, and it also misleadingly seems like Democrats had the most support in this race. By only voting for one person, the Republican with fairly low support won. This race appears to be an example of star voting going wrong because people who liked similar candidates only gave points to their most preferred candidate rather than fully rating their most preferred while also giving high marks to second and third favorites. If this is how people treat star voting, then we may not get desired outcomes. However, as people use star voting in repeated elections, they will likely get used to it and score more candidates if they have opinions on more than one of them. They have to get out of the mindset of only voting for one candidate. That said about the Oregon Star election, the results were not as unideal as it may seem. Armand Vile, who ran non-affiliated, left the Republican Party to do so. So, he should also be seen as a conservative candidate. And, if we look at the percentage of favorite candidate votes, meaning which candidates got the highest score from the most voters, the two conservative candidates combined got a majority, meaning a majority of this electorate appeared to have had a preference for conservative representation. Nevertheless, 
the middle candidate, the independent, may have won if more Democrats gave some points to him, and this would have resulted in a more middle-of-the-road candidate rather than a more ideological conservative or ideological liberal. A hypothetical simulation of this election has been run that showed the outcome if people had voted more expressively. The result was the independent winning. We should also be careful what to conclude from this election because it seems that only the Republican actually campaigned and worked to get her vote out. It's likely that many Democrats didn't even know who the Independent was, so didn't score him because they didn't know him. Because I'd expect people to more fully use star voting with practice, familiarity, and discussion, this is a good reason why star voting should be rolled out slowly and not thrown on a major national election before some of the electorate has used it a few times for smaller races. Also, a proper education campaign will be necessary. However, we can't just assume voters will take more advantage of STAR as they use it. STAR needs to be tried in more races, and repeated races, so we can see the results and how voters adapt to the system. Even in cases where most voters do bullet vote, this is not necessarily a problem and not necessarily strategic. If most voters truly prefer just one candidate, then that is their true feelings. Voters may not have the time or energy to research many candidates. In such a case, them giving all their points to one candidate isn't an issue as far as honesty or strategy is concerned. However, if this candidate isn't in the final round, then in star voting, lazy or less informed voters will have less of a say in the final decision. In star, there are situations where a candidate can act as a spoiler meaning if that candidate won't win, the very act of him running changes who wins the election because it changes who makes it into the final round. This can't happen in range voting because it only has one round. Additionally, in star, a candidate who gets far more points can lose in the final round on the backs of those who ranked the ultimate winner very low, but slightly higher than the other finalist. In straight range, the apparently more popular candidate would just win, rather than the one who can overcome this point deficit by having more people who dislike him less than the other finalist. It's not clear to me which of these is the better outcome. Also, in Star, raising a score for one's most disliked candidate can help one's true favorite. Again, this results from determining which two candidates get into the final round. In Star, one has the strategic incentive to give more points to the second choice over a first choice if the first choice would likely lose in the final round to a third and most disliked option. It's better to have your second favorite make it to the final round and win than your most favorite make it to the final round just to lose to a disliked candidate. There are a variety of scenarios like this in Star where votes work in unexpected and poor-feeling ways, and not only do they make one's vote seem unsatisfactory, it gives the incentive to vote strategically. These scenarios result from having more than one round. Ranked choice is worse in this regard, but STAR isn't impervious to such poor outcomes, nor to strategic voting incentives. The outcomes of STAR voting are hard to predict, so this could discourage voting strategically. If I'm not sure how my vote will affect the final outcome, then I might as well vote my conscience. Also, some of the weirdest outcomes in STAR aren't strategically usable because you'd have to know how everyone else voted in advance to take advantage of them. Still, 
even if not usable strategically. It's not good when giving more points to a disliked candidate helps your favorite. A variety of people have run simulations in an attempt to compare the likely and possible outcomes of different electoral systems. They are often judging the systems on one or more of these criteria. Which system best selects the winner who beats all other candidates in a head-to-head -head race? Which system is most likely to choose the candidate with maximum voter utility? And which systems are most non-manipulable? Social utility is adding up how much value all the voters would gain from electing a particular candidate, usually measured by how voters rate that candidate. A candidate may lose in a three-way race because he has lots of shared support with other candidates, but actually is the social utility maximizer, because even those who voted for someone else still like this candidate. Some simulations assume strategic voting, rather than just honest voters voting their conscience. They also look at strategic imbalance, where more voters for one candidate vote strategically compared to voters of another candidate. Other studies look at polling from real elections and how people would have voted under different systems. Such studies tend to show first-past-the-post plurality voting as the worst method. Ironically, this is the method most commonly used in the United States. Approval voting often ranks high, but results are not always consistent. Range and star methods also tend to perform well. Ranked choice tends to perform worse than approval, range, and star. This means, according to simulations and studies, ranked choice is not the best method. Approval voting allows a voter who likes more than one candidate to vote for all of them. This both allows the voter to be more expressive and can prevent vote splitting because the voter can vote for both liked candidates. Approval voting is one of the best at electing the head-to-head -head winner, if there is one. If there isn't a head-to-head -head winner, approval voting does a good job at picking a clear winner based on the second choices, if there is a clear winner. However, it's possible for approval voting to fail to elect the head-to-head -head winner and for it to elect the candidate who loses every pairwise vote. Another advantage of approval is simplicity. Just vote for the candidates you approve of. No need to rank or choose a score. One issue with approval voting is that voting for one's second choice candidate could help that second choice candidate beat one's most favored candidate. Approval voting doesn't eliminate strategic voting. Take the situation where you have three candidates, with two similar candidates both liked more than a third. The two similar and popular candidates have about the same share of support. If people don't vote strategically, one of them will win closely. However, this gives voters an incentive to only vote for their most favored so that their most preferred will beat their second choice. However, if too many people do that, the third and least liked candidate can sneak in and win. Another problem with approval is that it doesn't allow one to distinguish between liked candidates. 
people can only vote up or down. They lose the opportunity to support which candidate they like most of all. And they lose the ability to delineate certain candidates as the worst. Range voting is simpler than ranked and star. Rather than having more than one round of voting, there is one straightforward round. And who gets the most points wins. Only having one round avoids the kooky outcomes of multi-round elections involving the processes that determine who makes it to later rounds. Only having one round limits incentives to vote strategically based on gaming out who will be alive in later rounds. In range, one cannot hurt their favorite candidate by rating them higher. However, giving a second candidate points can help them beat one's favorite. Although, if a voter scores every candidate, this will only work in a collective way because the straight no-show paradox where one could better help their candidate by not voting is not present in score voting, like it is in ranked choice and star. Range voting has the expressivity of star, so voters can indicate a degree of support. This allows voters to give points to second and third most like candidates if they want to, rather than being forced to choose just one candidate. Like approval and star, range performs well in simulations and studies. Warren Smith says he has proven with theorems that ranked choice can't solve the vote splitting and lesser evil problems, while range voting does. A main disadvantage of range voting compared to star is that there isn't an opportunity to have a say between the top two candidates. Because only one candidate can win, it feels like everyone should be able to put their marble in on who of the final two is best, with star and ranked choice, as well as first past the post with a physical runoff, every voter has that chance, even if they don't know who the final two will be. In range voting, you just give your level of support and get no final say if who you like is not one of the top two. Essentially, range elects on the basis of voters given utilities, not a majority rule. It may be that despite the advantages of range, we'd prefer a chance for one of two candidates to get a majority. In a two-candidate range race, if one candidate receives 55% of the vote and the other 45%, range could result in the 45% winning because more people feel strongly about that candidate or because enough of those who prefer the other candidate still give the less liked candidate some points. This violates the majority principle in favor of a utility principle. It's not clear which is better, and the two-candidate race example may be misleading when races are multi-candidate because there may be no true initial majority in a multi-candidate race. Star and ranked choice may eventually produce a, quote, majority, but it isn't a true majority. It is the majority that results after one or more rounds, and this can produce weird results. In ranked choice, this final majority may be only counting a significantly reduced number of voters as some drop due to ballot disqualification and ballot exhaustion. So, these other systems don't have perfect ways of executing the majority principle. However, they executed better than range voting. 
And star, if a candidate exists who gained a majority of voters' highest scores, meaning a majority of voters gave this candidate a higher score than all other candidates, then two other candidates have to both beat the majority winner based on straight scores in order to stop this candidate from getting into the final round where he would win. But in range, only one candidate needs to beat out the majority winner on score. So, star is more likely to give the majority winner the victory than range is. Like star, range voting suffers from that people may view different scores differently. A score of 4 or a score of 2 may be different for different people. Unlike a rank or a choose one vote, it isn't clear what a particular number means. And if different groups of people systematically view this differently than other groups, this could bias the election. It may also be difficult for voters to give scores based on specific candidate characteristics. How many points does a candidate get for being honest? How many for speaking well? How many for agreeing with the voter on the issues? That said, in all voting systems, this is an issue. All these complex factors have to be taken into account to decide who to vote for or how high to rank a candidate. So range and star may not be so different in this regard. Another problem with utility scores is whether they properly capture intensity. Should two people giving someone a score of 3 really overcome one person giving a candidate the top score of 5? The answer isn't clear. If voters know which candidates they dislike, which ones they like, and then have candidates that they don't have strong feelings about, it's possible that many voters give these middle candidates a middling score. In range, a middling score could propel these candidates to victory even though most voters don't know who they are. This is a potential problem for Star too, although not if the scores for these candidates are left blank. One advantage of rank choice over range and star is that the ordinal ranking system doesn't suffer from people seeing a 4 or a 2 or any number differently. Because voters don't need to give an ill-defined and subjective score, they just rank candidates in order. Finally, especially if there are two main candidates, range voting may lead to people feeling the need to vote dishonestly by giving the candidate they want to win all the possible points while giving everyone else zero points. There certainly is the incentive to give one's favorite the maximum and his main competitor the minimum. If you give points to a main competitor, you are giving that competitor more of an edge compared to another voter that gives the maximum points to the competitor and gives your favorite zero. However, giving points to weaker candidates that one also likes would still make sense unless one fears that they are also a serious competitor and does not want them to overtake your favorite using the modest number of points that you gave to this other liked candidate. Range needs to be used in more places so we can see the extent that people use it to bullet vote their favorite candidate. If enough voters dishonestly lower their scores for their main rivals in order to increase the chance that their candidate will win, a third and less popular candidate could sneak in and win the election if supporters of the two main rivals de decide to give a less popular candidate some points, or if the two main rivals are vote-splitting. If polling shows that one's favorite candidate has no chance, it would make sense to give full point value 
to one's second favorite in hopes that they will defeat a more disliked candidate. This would mean rating a first and second favorite equally for the sake of tactics. Star limits this incentive to an extent by this equal score mattering in the next round if one's favorite by chance does make it and faces the opponent who you're strategically tempted to give just as many points as your favorite. But if one is confident that their favorite does not have a chance, then this isn't much incentive to distinguish the two. Unlike star, range voting doesn't give that extra incentive to distinguish between candidates, making bullet voting more enticing. In range, one may fear that their second favorite will beat out their most favorite, so give full points to their favorite and none to their second favorite. In star, as long as those two are the final two candidates, giving some points to the second favorite doesn't hurt your favorite because your favorite will still get your full vote in the final round, while your second favorite will get nothing in that final round. Giving points to your second favorite could hurt your favorite in other ways, though. Okay, so what the hell should we do? The most common system, first past the post, clearly has the most problems and performs the worst in studies. However, the biggest up-and-comer, ranked choice, also has shown many flaws and tends to perform poorly in studies. That said, both of these systems have plenty of real-world examples of how they work. We've clearly seen their flaws. Elections are complicated. We don't know how the less-tried systems will work. All systems are vulnerable to strategic voting and have downsides. So, what we need is for more elections to try new systems. There's enough evidence to conclude both that first-past-the-post is pretty bad, and that ranked choice doesn't seem great either. Therefore, we should support trying other systems. Although there is no perfect system, the best way we can be confident is to get more evidence. More localities should try approval, range, and star voting. They all appear to be better than ranked choice and first-past-the-post, but we need more evidence before doing a large rollout. Thus far, I believe star and range look the best. They perform well in studies and simulations, are less kooky and more straightforward than ranked choice, and seem to give less incentives for strategic voting compared to all others. However, that in theory and simulations they are better is not conclusive evidence. We need places to repeatedly try these voting systems so we can study their outcomes and how voters and candidates adapt to the new systems. Studies find that the same election system can have different effects in different environments, so we need these systems tried in a variety of places. If voters adapt well and the outcomes appear better than other systems, then more and more elections should switch to these methods. As the last section should have made clear, we need more information to determine the best system. That said, I favor STAR. Unlike approval, it allows you to distinguish between liked candidates. It's less kooky, less complicated, performs better in studies and simulations, and utilizes more voter information compared to ranked choice. STAR is also a nice middle, balancing the value of utility versus the value of majority rule, as opposed to range, which is all in on utility. 
and, unlike approval and range, Star allows voters a chance to differentiate between the final two candidates with its runoff round. I want approval, star, and range to be tried repeatedly in more places. But if I'm mayor, governor, or some other leader, I want my jurisdiction to try star. Well, I'm Lone Candle. Like me? Comment me. Love me.